welcome on to NBA Recap. Today is Thursday, December 23rd, and we had five games on in the NBA last night, so let's get right into them. Starting off in Atlanta, the Magic defeated the Hawks 104-98. In Boston, the Celtics beat the Cavaliers 111-101. In Milwaukee, the Bucks defeated the Rockets 126-106. In Oklahoma City, the Thunder beat the Nuggets 108-94. And finally, in Sacramento, the Kings were defeated by the Clippers 105-89 and the Bulls-Raptors game was postponed. So we will break down all five of those games in just a moment. But first, if you'd like to follow the show on social, we are at NBA Recap Pod, or you can just search YouTube or smart speakers for NBA Recap Podcast. And if you enjoy the show, consider subscribing or leaving a review. It really helps get the word out. All right, so starting off today in Atlanta, where the shorthanded Hawks were defeated by the shorthanded Orlando Magic, 104-98. to the Magic were led by the rookie, Franz Wagner. He had 25 points in the starting lineup, and they also got 17 from Gary Harris, and a double-double, 10 points and 11 assists from Robin Lopez. Whereas the Hawks, with no Trey Young, were led by Cam Reddish in the starting lineup. He had 34 points with six three-pointers, and they also got 28 and 12 from John Collins. But like I said, this game was severely impacted by missing players, injuries, COVID health and safety protocols, absences. The Magic were missing basically their whole starting lineup. No Wendell Carter Jr., no Mo Bamba, no Cole Anthony, and of course all of their other injuries on top of those. And then the Hawks were missing Trey Young, Clint Capella, Kevin Herter, Danilo Gallinari, even DeAndre Hunter still, of course. And so both teams obviously had some guys in the starting lineup and even coming off the bench who were either making their NBA debut or hadn't played in the league for quite some time. Lance Stevens was playing for the Atlanta Hawks. The Orlando Magic were starting a guy named Hassani Gravit in just like his third NBA game. So suffice it to say, there was some extenuating circumstances in this game, to say the least. But that being said, take nothing away from the Magic. They took advantage of the situation at hand, and they actually controlled this game from the very beginning. They outscored the Hawks by 10 in the first half, and then they actually expanded upon that lead even further in the third. At one point, they were leading by 20 points with 6.28 left on the clock. The Magic were up 63-43 to after Hassani Gravit made a three-pointer, and so this was looking like it was going to be a blowout for the shorthanded Magic, but as it turns out, the Hawks made things interesting by the end of the third quarter. They actually cut that deficit to within double digits, but the Magic were resilient, and they were able to stave off the Hawks' comeback throughout the fourth quarter. They maintained about a 10-point lead throughout the fourth. It waxed and waned just a little bit, but... The Hawks, despite their best efforts, were never able to make any more headway, and they did cut the lead once again to within 10 points at the end of the game, but they just ran out of time in the end. And overall, they only shot 40% from the field. They were much better than Orlando from the three-point line, 38% from beyond the arc for the Hawks, versus 29% from three for the Magic. But overall, Orlando shot a little bit better from the field, 44%, and they only turned the ball over 10 times, which is pretty impressive considering the ragtag group of players that were on the court for Orlando, whereas the Hawks had 14 turnovers. And so in the end, this was a gritty win for the Magic, and they now improved to 7-25 and with this win. So they were in second to last in the East. In fact, they're second to last in the entire league. They have the worst point differential in the entire league at negative 9.5. They're one game up right now in the Detroit Pistons in last in the East. And they're six games behind the Indiana Pacers in 13th. And the Magic are three and seven in their last 10 games. They are on a two-game winning streak, though. And as for the Atlanta Hawks, this loss takes them to 14-16. and 16. So they are in 11th right now in the East, half a game behind the Toronto Raptors in 10th, and half a game up on the New York Knicks in 12th. The Hawks are plus 1.2 in the point differential, which is better than several teams ahead of them. But they are on a two-game losing streak, and they're just 3-7 and seven in their last 10 games as well. 
All right, so moving on to the box score and the Magic with very few players available were actually led by the rookie, Franz Wagner. He is continuing to be one of the most impressive rookies, definitely top five so far of this rookie class. And he led the team in scoring with 25 points in 36 minutes in the starting lineup. He was 10 of 24 from the field, just one of six from three, but he had four rebounds, one assist, one steal, and two blocks. So good stuff overall for Wagner. They also got 17 points from the veteran Gary Harris in 31 minutes. He was two of nine from the field, but both of his makes came from three. He was 11 of 11 from the free throw line, and he had two rebounds, four assists, and two steals. They also got 12 points from Chuma Okeke in the starting lineup, as I mentioned, with no Wendell Carter and no Mo Bamba. He was 5 of 14 from the field, just 2 of 11 from 3, but he had 5 rebounds, 1 assist, and 6 steals. That is his second game with 6 steals in the last 3 outings, so just incredible stuff for Okeke. And he was a team-high plus 15 in the plus-minus. And they also got a double-double from Robin Lopez, 10 points and 11 assists. In 31 minutes, he was 5 of 10 from the field. He had 5 rebounds, 1 steal, and 1 block. And Hassani Gravit, rounding out the starting lineup, had 8 points on 3 of 6 shooting, 2 3-pointers, 5 rebounds, and 5 assists. And off the bench for the Magic, they got 14 points from B.J. Johnson in 16 minutes. He was very efficient, 6 of 7 from the field, 2 of 2 from beyond the arc. He had 4 rebounds. They also got 8 points from Admiral Schofield. He was also very efficient, 3 of 3 from the field in 13 minutes. He had 2 rebounds. Four points for Aleem Ford in 22 minutes. He was two of six from the field, though. Five points for Freddie Gillespie. He had eight rebounds and two blocks as well. And just one point for Tim Frazier. And as for the Hawks, they were led, as I mentioned, by Cam Reddish. He had 34 points in the starting lineup in 42 minutes. He was 11 of 23 from the field. He had six three-pointers, four rebounds, four assists, and two blocks as well. So really solid production out of nowhere for Cam Reddish. And they also got a nice double-double from John Collins, 28 points and 12 rebounds. In 41 minutes, he was 9 of 17 from the field. He had three threes, two assists, and two blocks. They also got nine points from DeLon Wright, the point guard, in the starting lineup in 39 minutes, was 4 of 8 from the field. He had seven rebounds, four assists, two steals. Eight points for the big man, Gorgie Jang, starting in place of Clint Capella. He was actually a team low, negative 23 in the plus-minus. He had eight points and five rebounds, one assist, and one block. And Skylar Mays, rounding out the starting lineup, did not score in just nine minutes. He was 0 for 1 from the field. And off the bench for the Hawks, they got eight points from the backup big man, the sophomore Onyeka Okongwu. In 19 minutes, he was 2 of 3 from the field. He had seven rebounds, one assist, and three blocks in that time. I would have liked to see Okongwu in the starting lineup, perhaps, instead of the veteran Gorgie Jang. I think Okongwu is a very underrated prospect. He just... Didn't get a lot of playing time last season due to injuries and just all the competition on this roster, but I think he can break out at some point given the opportunity. The Hawks also got four points from Jalen Johnson in 11 minutes, the rookie. Six points from Bogdan Bogdanovich making his return in 22 minutes. He was 2 of 9 from the field. And just one point for the recent acquisition, Lance Stevenson. He was 0 of 4 from the field, but he did have eight rebounds and five assists. All right, and next up we can move on to Boston, where the Celtics defeated the Cleveland Cavaliers 111-101. to The Celtics were led by Jalen Brown. He had 34 points in the starting lineup, and they also got a nice double-double from Robert Williams, 21-11. Whereas the Cavaliers were led by Darius Garland. He had 28 points, and they got 18-12 and from Kevin Love off the bench. But once again, injuries and absences definitely impacting this game. Namely, the Cleveland Cavaliers, who were missing Jared Allen and Evan Mobley and Isaac Okoro and, of course, still Colin Sexton. So they were really shorthanded. They had Dean Wade and Taco Fall in the starting lineup, whereas the Celtics were basically full strength. And unsurprisingly, they controlled this game from the jump. 
They outscored the Cavaliers 31 to 26 in the first quarter and 32 to 22 in the second. So it was a commanding 15 point lead for Boston at halftime. And then they expanded upon that lead even further in the third quarter. At one point, it was a 22 point game after Jalen Brown hit a three footer with 948 left on the clock. It was 72 to 50. And so they pretty much just cruised to victory from there. The Cavs did cut into that deficit just a little bit in the fourth quarter, but it was pretty much garbage time. And so a comfortable win here for the Boston Celtics, who shot the ball very efficiently, 46% from the field, 36% from three. Uh, The Cavs were just 39% from the field and 23% from beyond the arc. And they had 16 turnovers versus 13 for the Celtics. And so with this win, Boston now improves to 16 and 16. So once again, they are at 500 right in the middle of the Eastern Conference in eighth. They are half a game behind the 76ers and Wizards in 6th and 7th, and half a game up on the Hornets and Raptors in 9th and 10th. And the Celtics are plus 1.3 in the point differential, which is actually better than the two teams ahead of them, uh, but they're just 4-6 and in their last 10 games. And as for the Cleveland Cavaliers, they were on a six-game winning streak prior to this loss, so they are now at 19-13. and 13. So still in fourth in the Eastern Conference, half a game behind the Milwaukee Bucks in third. They're tied with the Miami Heat in fifth, and one and a half games up on the Wizards in sixth. And the Cavaliers are plus 5.4 in the point differential, which is best in the Eastern Conference. They are 7-3 and three in their last 10 games. Okay, so moving on to the box score, and the Cavaliers, as I mentioned, were led by Darius Garland. The point guard in 40 minutes in the starting lineup had 28 points. He was 11 of 22 from the field, just 2 of 8 from 3. He had 2 rebounds, 6 assists, and 3 steals, though. They only had two other players on the roster score in double digits, and they both came off the bench. The rest of the starters all in single digits. Eight points for Ricky Rubio in 31 minutes. He was just two of 12 from the field. He had five rebounds, six assists, and three steals. He was negative 20 in the plus-minus. That was a team low. Seven points for Larry Markinen in 33 minutes. He was also two of 12 from the field, and he had nine rebounds in one block. Six points for Dean Wade in 23 minutes. He had three rebounds, and that was it in the box score. And four points for Taco Fall against his former team. This was his first start of his NBA career. He played 19 minutes, and he had 10 rebounds and two blocks in that time. So good stuff there for the tallest man in the NBA, Taco Fall. And off the bench for the Cavaliers, they got a nice double-double from Kevin Love. 18 points and 12 rebounds in 23 minutes. He was 6 of 13 from the field. He had three assists, one steal. They also got 13 points from Chetty Osman in 31 minutes. He was 5 of 14 from the field, just 1 of 7 from beyond the arc. And he had 6 rebounds, 1 assist, 1 steal. They also got 8 points from Denzel Valentine in 26 minutes. He had 2 threes, 6 rebounds, 5 points for Kevin Pangos, and 4 for Justin Anderson. And as for the Boston Celtics, they were led, as I mentioned, by Jalen Brown, 34 points in 36 minutes. He was 12 of 22 from the field, 5 of 10 from beyond the arc. He had six rebounds, three assists, one steal, and one block. They also got nice contributions from Robert Williams and Jason Tatum. They both stuffed the stat sheet. Williams had a double-double, 21 points and 11 rebounds in 34 minutes. He was incredibly efficient, 10 of 12 from the field, and he had seven assists, two steals, and two blocks. Really awesome numbers there for Williams throughout the box score. And then Tatum had 18 points in 36 minutes. He was only six of 19 from the field, but he had nine rebounds, five assists, two steals, and a block. And he was plus 19 in the plus minus. That was a team high. The Celtics also got 11 points from Romeo Langford in 31 minutes. He was 5 of 8 from the field. He had 9 rebounds, 2 steals, and a block. And Marcus Smart, rounding out the starting lineup, had 4 points, 2 rebounds, 4 assists, and 3 steals. He was just 1 of 7 from the field, though. 
And off the bench for the Celtics, they got seven points from Peyton Pritchard, the sophomore. In 21 minutes, he was three of seven from the field. He had five rebounds, one assist. Three points for Dennis Schroeder. He was ice cold in this game. One of 11 from the field in 18 minutes. He had four assists. Five points for Aaron Neesmith in 12 minutes. And his freedom had four points in 12 minutes. Both freedom and Neesmith were two of two from the field. And they also got two points from a couple of guys making their season debuts here for the Celtics. Justin Jackson and Joe Johnson. Iso Joe, the player who they drafted 19 years ago, is back with the Celtics. You might have seen this stat from Sean Grandy on Twitter, but if you missed it, the 19-year gap between his two stints with the Celtics is not only the longest in NBA history, it's longer than the entire careers of every NBA player but five. Vince Carter, Robert Parrish, Kevin Garnett, Kevin Willis, and Dirk Nowitzki. That is just incredible stuff for Joe Johnson. So good to see him getting on the score sheet for the Celtics. All right, and next up we can move on to Milwaukee where the Bucks demolished the Houston Rockets 126 to 106. There were a couple of notable absences, namely one Giannis Antetokounmpo, the reigning finals MVP, but they're also still missing Grayson Allen and Dante DiVincenzo and Brooke Lopez clearly out for the season with that back surgery. Whereas the Rockets, besides their guards, Jalen Green and Kevin Porter Jr., were pretty much full strength in this game, but they were just severely outplayed by the Milwaukee Bucks. Specifically, it was the second and third quarters where the Bucks opened up a pretty significant lead. They outscored the Rockets 38-26 to in the second and 34-26 to in the third. So it was a 13-point lead at halftime, a 21-point lead heading into the fourth quarter. So a comfortable win here for the Milwaukee Bucks. There was a stretch of like five minutes in the second quarter where the Rockets did not score at all. And that stretch was really the death knell for them as they were never able to make up the gap that they allowed the Bucks to build up during that time. And overall, the Bucks shot 43% from the field. That's not amazing, but better than the Rockets. They were 41% from the field and just 28% from beyond the arc, whereas the Bucks were very efficient, 37% from three. And the Bucks were very clean with the ball, seven turnovers only versus 15 for the Rockets. They have been one of the most sloppy teams with the ball this season, and that was definitely on full display in this game, more than doubling the Bucks in turnovers. So in the end, it was a pretty comfortable win here for the Milwaukee Bucks. They now improved to 20 and 13, so they are still in third in the Eastern Conference, one game behind the Chicago Bulls in second, and just half a game up on the Cavaliers and Heat in fourth and fifth. And the Bucs are plus 3.3 in the point differential, which is fourth best in the conference. There's several teams that are bunched around uh, plus three. And the Bucs are six and four in their last 10. And as for the Houston Rockets, this loss takes them to 10 and 22. So they're at the bottom of the West, one game behind the Pelicans in 14th, two games behind the Thunder in 13th. The Rockets are negative 7.1 in the point differential, which is second worst in the West. They're on a two-game losing streak now, and they're four and six only in their last 10 games. So the bottom of the West, the Rockets, Pelicans, and Thunder uh, have definitely been playing a lot better over the last couple of weeks than they had been earlier in the season. But anyways, we can move on now to the box score, and the Rockets were led in this game by Christian Wood. He had a double-double, 20 points and 11 rebounds in 28 minutes in the starting lineup. He missed all six of his three-point attempts. He was 0 for 6 from 3, but 6 of 13 from the field overall, 8 of 11 from the free throw line, and he had one block. They also got 12 points from Eric Gordon, the veteran shooting guard, in 24 minutes was 4 of 9 from the field. He had two three-pointers, three rebounds, six assists, and one block. 
10 points for Garrison Matthews. He was 2 of 5 from 3. He had 6 rebounds. 9 points for Armani Brooks in 26 minutes. He had 3 three-pointers and 3 rebounds. And 4 points for Jayshon Tate rounding out the starting lineup. The sophomore was just 2 of 10 from the field in this game. 5 rebounds. He was negative 15 in the plus-minus, which was a starter's low. And off the bench for the Rockets, they got 12 points from Kenyon Martin Jr. in 31 minutes. He was 5 of 12 from the field. He had 5 rebounds and 6 assists. 10 points for the rookie, Alperin Shengun, in 24 minutes. He was 4 of 6 from the field. He had 8 rebounds and 4 assists, but he also had 4 turnovers, and he was negative 23 in the plus-minus. That was a team low. They also got 9 points from David Nwaba and DJ Augustine, the backup point guard. 9 points as well for the rookie, Josh Christopher. In 22 minutes, he was 3 of 8 from the field. He had 5 rebounds and 4 assists. And they also got 2 points from Treble and Queen. And as for the Milwaukee Bucks, with no Giannis Antetokounmpo, they were led by Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday. Holiday had 24 points and 10 assists in 31 minutes. He was very efficient, 10 of 17 from the field, 2 of 5 from 3. He had 4 rebounds and 2 steals as well. And he was plus 26 in the plus minus, which was a team high alongside Pat Connaughton. So fantastic production for Holiday. Middleton had 23 points in 28 minutes. He was 7 of 17 from the field, just 1 of 5 from 3, but 8 of 9 from the free throw line. He had 3 rebounds, 6 assists, 1 steal. 18 points for Jordan Wara in 27 minutes in the starting lineup. He had 9 rebounds, 2 assists, 1 steal. 18 points as well for DeMarcus Cousins. I forgot to mention Bobby Portis as one of the absences for the Bucks. So Cousins, once again, in the starting lineup, he had 8 rebounds, 2 assists, and a block. So nice stuff for Cousins in just his... Sixth or seventh game here for the Bucks. This was probably his best game of the season thus far. And nine points for Pat Connaughton in 31 minutes, rounding out the starting lineup. He was not very efficient in this game. Three of 13 from the field, but all of his makes came from beyond the arc, and he had four rebounds, one assist, and four steals. And off the bench for the Bucks, they got 16 points from Wesley Matthews in 20 minutes. The veteran was 6 of 7 from the field and 4 of 5 from 3. So good shooting for Matthews. He had 2 assists, 1 rebound. 7 points for Simi Ojale in 17 minutes, although he was not super efficient. 1 of 6 from the field. He had 7 rebounds. And the Bucks also got 5 points from Rodney Hood, 4 for George Hill, and just 2 points for Thanasis Antetokounmpo. All right, and next up, we can move on to Oklahoma City, where the Thunder defeated the Denver Nuggets 108-94. The Nuggets were led by Shea Gildas-Alexander. He had 27 points, 11 rebounds, and 12 assists. Incredible production from Shea, just his second career triple-double. And they also got double-digit scoring from five other guys, including 17 and 11 from Darius Baisley off the bench. Whereas the Nuggets, who were really struggling offensively in this game, were led by Nikola Jokic. He had 13 points only in 25 minutes. And they got 12 from Aaron Gordon and Austin Rivers off the bench. Yeah, surprisingly, this was not the best offensive performance from the Denver Nuggets. That's usually their calling card. But they've actually been better defensively this season. In large part, probably because two of their best players, Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr., both of whom are offensively incredible, but defensively can be a bit of a liability, have essentially both been out for the entire season. Porter Jr. played a little bit at the beginning of the year before going out. But nonetheless, the Nuggets' offensive struggles were on full display in this game. They shot just 39% from the field and 29% from beyond the arc, which actually that's better than the Thunder. They were only 23% from three, but they were better from the field overall, 44%, and they dominated the Nuggets on the boards 60-39. to This game was a blowout in the end. The scoreline doesn't quite indicate how much of a blowout 
blowout this actually was. The Thunder had a 10-point lead after the first quarter, but it was really the third quarter where they blew things open. They outscored the Nuggets 28-14 to in the third, so they had a commanding 22-point lead heading into the final period. And they let their foot off the gas pedal a little bit in the fourth. They actually went for like four minutes to start the fourth quarter without scoring. So they allowed the Nuggets to cut into the deficit quite a bit. But nonetheless, this was still a comfortable win in the end for the Thunder. And so with this win, they now improve to 11-19. and 19. So they are, as I mentioned previously, in 13th right now in the Western Conference. Two games up on the Rockets in last. And just half a game behind the Sacramento Kings in 12th. The Thunder are 5-5 five and five in their last 10 games. They're on a three-game winning streak although they still do have a negative 7.9 point differential, which is worst in the conference. And as for the Nuggets, this loss takes them to 15 and 15. So they, like the Celtics in the East, are at 500 exactly in the middle of the Western Conference in 8th, although they are tied with the Mavericks and Lakers in 6th and 7th. Both of those teams are also at 500, and the Nuggets are half a game up on the Timberwolves in 9th. They are negative 0.2 in the point differential, which puts them about where they should be in the conference standings, and they are 5-5 five and five in their last 10 games. All right, so moving on to the box score, and Denver, as I mentioned, was led by Nikola Jokic. He just played 25 minutes in this game. He had 13 points in that time. He was actually fairly efficient, 5 of 9 from the field, 1 of 4 from 3. He had 7 rebounds, 3 assists, and 2 blocks. He was negative 15 in the plus-minus. The team low in that regard was actually Aaron Gordon. He was negative 16 in his 25 minutes. He had 12 points, 4 rebounds, 2 assists, 1 steal. 10 points for Monty Morris, the point guard. He was 3 of 5 from the field. He had 2 rebounds, 5 assists, and 7 points for the other two starters. Jeff Green played 22 minutes, had 1 3-pointer, 2 rebounds, 1 assist, and Will Barton was just 3 of 11 from the field. He had 5 rebounds, 2 assists. And off the bench for the Nuggets, they got 12 points from Austin Rivers in 23 minutes. He was 4 of 8 from the field. He had two threes and two assists. Nine points for Vlatko Chanchar and the backup point guard Facundo Campazzo. He had six assists and two blocks. Seven points for Devon Reed in 10 minutes. And five points for the rookie, Bones Highland. They also got three points from Jamichael Green. He had seven rebounds and three steals. And as for the Oklahoma City Thunder, they were led by Shea Gildas-Alexander with a triple-double, 27 points in 37 minutes. He was 10 of 24 from the field. He missed all seven of his three-point attempts, but he was 7 of 7 from the free-throw line, and he had 11 rebounds, 12 assists, one steal, and one block. And he was plus 19 in the plus-minus, so incredible production for Shea. They also got 15 points from Lou Dort in 35 minutes. He was 5 of 13 from the field. Four of his makes came from beyond the arc. He had six rebounds and one assist. He was plus 21 in the plus minus. That was a team high alongside the rookie Jeremiah Robinson Earl. He had 14 points in 33 minutes. He had nine rebounds, one assist, and one steal. 14 points as well for the other rookie, Josh Giddy. In 34 minutes, the point guard was 5 of 11 from the field, and he had five rebounds, three assists, two steals, and a block. And Derek Favors, the veteran big man rounding out the starting lineup, had 10 points, six rebounds, two assists, and one steal. And off the bench for the Thunder, they got 17 and 11 from Darius Baisley. In 28 minutes, he was 7 of 11 from the field. He had one assist and two blocks. They also got seven points from the third rookie, Trey Mann. He played 16 minutes and was 3 of 9 from the field in that time. Two points for Kenrich Williams in 16 minutes, and two as well for Ty Jerome. All right, and finally, we can move on to Sacramento, where the Kings were demolished by the LA Clippers, 105-89. to 
The Clippers were led by Eric Bledsoe. He had 19 points and seven assists with eight rebounds. And they also got 17 from Paul George and 17 as well from the veteran Serge Ibaka off the bench, his best game of the season thus far by far. And the Kings were led by Tyrese Halliburton, the sophomore point guard. This is his fourth game in a row with at least 20 points and at least 10 assists. He had 22 and 13 in this game. And they also got 18 from Harrison Barnes. But this game, like the previous one for the Nuggets, was a real struggle for the Sacramento Kings offensively. They shot 40% from the field and 31% from three. So not nearly as bad as the Nuggets, but they had 19 turnovers as well. So this was just a really terrible game from the jump for for the Kings. The Clippers, on the other hand, were 51% from the field, and they only had 13 turnovers. They outscored the Kings 25-20 to in the first and 24-18 to in the second, so they had a double-digit lead heading into the second half, and they pretty much maintained that lead throughout the majority of the second half. Sacramento did go on a bit of a run at the end of the third quarter. Tyrese Halliburton and Buddy Heald were leading the charge during that time, and they cut the deficit to within double digits. But then in the fourth quarter, the Clippers reestablished a comfortable lead by the end of the game. Paul George had a three-pointer with 3.23 left on the clock that put the Clips up by 13 points. It was 99-86, to and so... The Kings just kind of capitulated throughout the final half of the fourth quarter. So a resilient win here for the Clippers, fighting off that comeback from the Kings, and they now improve to 17-15 and 15 with this win. They are in fifth still in the Western Conference, one game up on the Lakers in sixth, and two games behind the Memphis Grizzlies in fourth. The Clippers are 6-4 and four in their last 10 games. They have a plus 0.7 point differential, which puts them exactly where they should be in the conference standings. They are just the fifth team in the West to have a positive plus-minus. And as for the Kings, this loss takes them to 13 and 20. So they fall below the San Antonio Spurs now. The Kings are in 12th. The Spurs move up to 11th. The Kings are half a game now behind the Blazers and Spurs and half a game up on the Thunder in 13th. And the Kings have a negative 3.8 point differential, which puts them exactly where they should be in the conference. It is fourth worst in the West. They are just four and six in their last 10 games. They're on a two game losing streak. All right, so moving on to the box score. And the Clippers, as I mentioned, were led by Paul George and Eric Bledsoe. Bledsoe had 19 points in 36 minutes in the starting lineup. There was no Reggie Jackson for LA in this game, so... Bledsoe in the starting lineup was 8 of 15 from the field. He had 8 rebounds, 7 assists, and he was plus 20 in the plus-minus. That was by far the team high. So a nice game here for Bledsoe. Kind of a renaissance season for him. He really struggled in New Orleans and Milwaukee over the past couple of years. Seems like Tyron Lue is always able to get the best out of his players. And they also got 17 points from Paul George in 32 minutes. He was 6 of 18 from the field. He had three three-pointers, four rebounds, six assists, and five steals with one block as well. So stuffing the stat sheet there, Paul George. They also got 13 points from Terrence Mann in 32 minutes. He was really efficient. Six of nine from the field. He had two assists, one rebound. Ten points for Evica Zubats. The big man in 27 minutes was perfect. Four of four from the field and two of two from the free throw line. He had six rebounds, two assists, and a block. And Nick Batum rounding out the starting lineup had four points, two rebounds, three assists, two steals, and a block. And off the bench for the Clippers, they were led, as I mentioned, by Serge Ibaka, 17 points in 20 minutes only. He was 7 of 9 from the field, 2 of 3 from beyond the arc. He had 5 rebounds, 1 assist, 1 steal, and he was plus 11 in the plus minus. So a fantastic showing here for Ibaka, his highest scoring game of the season thus far. He's only 32 at this point, but up to this point in the season, you have to say he has looked a bit long in the tooth. I was not sure if he would ever be able to get back to the levels that he was at before this long injury, but this was definitely a step in the right direction for Ibaka. 
They also got eight points from Amir Coffey in 25 minutes. He had six rebounds, one assist, one steal. Eight points as well for the rookie, Brandon Boston Jr. He was just three of 11 from the field, though. Four rebounds, two assists. Five points for Justice Winslow in seven minutes, and four for the other rookie, Keon Johnson. And as for the Kings, they have Rashawn Holmes back, but De'Aaron Fox is still missing. And so they were led in this game by Tyrese Halliburton, the sophomore. Another double-double for him, 22 points and 13 assists. He had three rebounds, three steals, and a block. He had three three-pointers as well. He did have seven turnovers, but nonetheless, you'll take the turnovers with all the other production that he gave you in the box score. And they also got 18 points from Harrison Barnes. He was a team low, negative 24 in the plus-minus, but he was 7-15 from the field, and he had three three-pointers, four rebounds, two assists, and a steal. A double-double for Chemezi Metu in 31 minutes. He was 5-12 of 12 from the field. He had 11 points, 10 rebounds, two assists, and a steal. 16 points for Buddy Heald, still in the starting lineup, and he was 5 of 22 from the field, so not the most efficient game for Heald. All of his makes came from beyond the arc. He had 6 rebounds, 3 assists, 1 steal, 2 blocks, though, and just 4 points for Rashawn Holmes making his return. He played only 17 minutes, and he had 7 rebounds in that time. And off the bench for the Kings, they got 11 points from the backup big man, Tristan Thompson, in 24 minutes. He had seven rebounds, one assist, one steal. Four points for Mo Harkless in 22 minutes. Two points for Damian Jones in seven minutes. And just one point for Jamarius Ramsey. All right, and that will do it for our box score breakdown. So we can now move on to fantasy, the standout and surprising fantasy lines of the night. And we had a couple of really good options to pick from. You had 24 and 10 from Drew Holiday. John Collins had 28 and 12. Darius Garland also had 28 points. But it really came down to three guys, Tyrese Halliburton, Robert Williams III, and Shea Gildas-Alexander. Halliburton, like we just said, had 22 points and 13 assists with three steals, but he did have seven turnovers, so that kind of took him out of contention. Shea had the triple-double, 27 points, 11 rebounds, 12 assists, and he had one steal and one block as well, just one turnover, but he was 10 of 24 from the field, so not the most efficient game for Shea overall. So ultimately, we're going to go with Robert Williams. He had 21 points on 10 of 12 shooting, so very efficient night for Williams. He had 11 rebounds, seven assists, two steals, and two blocks. Just fantastic production across the board for Time Lord. He did not have any three-pointers, of course, and he had two turnovers, but nonetheless, the four combined steals and blocks, the seven assists is a bonus, and so Robert Williams III is your standout line of the night. And as for surprising line of the night, it's definitely going to go to Cam Reddish in the starting lineup with the shorthanded Atlanta Hawks, and he had 34 points in 42 minutes. He was 11 of 23 from the field, 6 of 8 from the free throw line, and he also had 6 three-pointers. He was 6 of 10 from beyond the arc. He also had 4 rebounds, 4 assists, and 2 blocks, and just 1 turnover. So overall, fantastic production from Cam Reddish. 34 points out of nowhere. The 6 three-pointers, the 2 blocks, all that is really good stuff. So Reddish is your surprising line of the night, and Robert Williams III is your standout line of the night. All right, and that will do it for fantasy, so we can now move on to our preview for tonight. Thursday, December the 23rd, and we had 12 games on the schedule, but there was one postponement. The Blazers-Nets game is not going to happen, so we've got 11 games on the schedule tonight. Starting off in Indiana, the Pacers are taking on the Houston Rockets. The Pacers are big favorites, minus 9.5. In Philadelphia, the 76ers are taking on the Atlanta Hawks, and 76ers, again, are big favorites, also minus 9.5. In Orlando, the Magic take on the New Orleans Pelicans, and the Pelicans are minus 5.5. In Miami, the Heat are taking on the Detroit Pistons, and the Heat are minus 10. 
In New York, the Knicks take on the Washington Wizards, and the Wiz are minus one. In Dallas, the Mavericks take on the Milwaukee Bucks, and the Bucks are minus five. In Utah, the Jazz face the Minnesota Timberwolves. The Jazz are minus 11 and a half. In Phoenix, the Suns are taking on the Oklahoma City Thunder, and the Suns are huge favorites. They are minus 14 and a half. In Denver, the Nuggets face the Charlotte Hornets, and the Nuggets are minus two and a half. In San Francisco, the Warriors are taking on the Memphis Grizzlies, and the Warriors are minus six. And finally, in Los Angeles, the Lakers are taking on the San Antonio Spurs, and the Lakers are minus one and a half. All right, so some intriguing lines here, some huge favorites. I'm a little bit surprised that the Thunder are the biggest underdog. They are plus 14 and a half in Phoenix. To be fair, the Suns have the best record in the entire NBA. They've got Devin Booker back. They've got home court advantage. And this is the second night of a back-to-back for the Thunder. So those are all ingredients that would point towards this being a blowout for the Suns. But that being said, the Thunder have been far from the worst team in the league over the past couple of weeks. They are 5-5 five and five in their last 10 games, for crying out loud. They're on a three-game winning streak. But for all those reasons I mentioned, I'm going to stay away from this game because I could definitely see the Suns just laying the smackdown on the Thunder. And so I'm also intrigued by the Minnesota Timberwolves plus 11 and a half in Utah. Similar line of reasoning here. It just seems like a little bit too high of a line. The Timberwolves are going to be without Anthony Edwards. And of course, they're also missing a couple of their key defensive guys, Patrick Beverly, Jared Vanderbilt, Torian Prince. But nonetheless, they still have Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell. They have been very good when those two players have been on the court this season. And that just seems like a really high line, plus 11 and a half. But the Utah Jazz specialize in demolishing mediocre teams and so I think the Jazz could absolutely lay this smackdown like the Phoenix Suns and so I'm going to stay away from that game as well. I'm also a little intrigued by the Houston Rockets plus nine in Indiana. Uh, The Pacers just don't really inspire too much confidence at the moment. They definitely don't inspire a nine point uh, advantage. The Rockets have not exactly been lighting the world on fire recently either. And this is the second night of a back to back for them. They've lost two games in a row now, but the Pacers are just four and six in their last 10 games. It seems like the Pacers are always four and six in their last 10, but they still have that plus 0.6 point differential and they've still got a lot of talent on this squad. So I can't really in good faith go with the Rockets right now, considering that they've lost two games in a row, but I would like to because that line seems way too high. So ultimately, we're going to go with two best bets for tonight. They're both on the West Coast. We're going to take the Memphis Grizzlies plus six in Golden State. Now, the Warriors have been playing very well recently, of course, as usual. They're seven and three in their last 10 games, and they have the league's best plus 10 and a half point differential. But with all that being said, the Grizzlies always seem like they give the Warriors a good run for their money. They beat the Warriors in their previous matchup in overtime. And then, of course, going back to last season, they beat the Warriors in the play-in game to advance to the playoffs. And so these two teams have a little bit of history over the past couple of months. I'm going to assume that this is going to be another close and exciting game. The Warriors might win it in the end, but I think the Grizzlies can at the very least keep it close. Plus six seems like a little bit too high of a line. And on top of all that, the Warriors are still missing Andrew Wiggins and Jordan Poole. So we will take the Grizzlies plus six for our first best bet. And then we're also going to take the San Antonio Spurs plus one and a half in Los Angeles. The Lakers have just been struggling mightily recently ever since Anthony Davis got injured. They are on a three-game losing streak. They have a negative 1.4 point differential, which is actually worse than like several teams below them, including the San Antonio Spurs, who are all the way down in 11th right now in the West. But they have been playing a lot better recently. They are five and five in their last 10 games. They're exactly zero in the point differential, which as I mentioned, is better than like five teams ahead of them. 
And as I've been going through this, the line actually just changed. It is now plus two for the Spurs, so that's even better. I just have very little faith in the Lakers right now, despite having Trevor Ariza in the lineup and despite LeBron playing like incredibly well over the past couple of games, they have still managed to find a way and lose. And so, yeah, we're going to go with the San Antonio Spurs plus two in Los Angeles, and we're going to take the Memphis Grizzlies plus six in Golden State. Those are our two best bets for today, and that'll do it. So thank you so much for tuning in. If you'd like to follow the show on social, we are at NBA Recap Pod, or you can just search YouTube or smart speakers for NBA Recap Podcast. We'll be back tomorrow to recap all 11 of those games. And since we have no games on the schedule for tomorrow, we'll be previewing the action for the Christmas Day games. So until then, thanks for tuning in.